All right, so tonight, as we continue our study of Core 52, that is, what are the, the, the core verses of Scripture? If we can learn them and to help us better understand the rest of the Bible, tonight we're going to talk about the concept of a good shepherd. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to a very familiar passage of Scripture. It's also listed there uh, on your note sheet, Psalm 23. Psalm 23, what I'd like to ask you to do is to read Psalm 23 out loud with me. I know that's a little awkward sometimes, but this is such a well-known psalm that I think maybe we can pull this off. Uh, Of course, I'm reading from the NIV, but if you don't mind, just read, let's read this together, beginning in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Next to John 3.16, Psalm 23 is likely the most well-known passage in all the Bible. And it's certainly the most used passage in funerals. It's the one that we always turn to in a time of death, a time of loss. There's such great comfort in that psalm. David's most famous poem certainly would be Psalm 23. And it talks about uh, uh, trust in the Lord as the shepherd king, if you want to put that in the notes there, as the good shepherd king. When we talk about God as our shepherd, we're really talking about God as our king. And so tonight, as we talk about God as the good shepherd, we're talking about God as the shepherd king. David pictures the Lord as the great shepherd who provides and protects for a sheep. The figure of a shepherd depicts the Lord as, put these uh, in your notes here, when you think about the Lord as the shepherd, it's depicting the Lord as a guide, that's the first blank, protector, provider, and constant companion. Now what I'd like for you to do Using those four words, I'd like for you to read through Psalm 23 quietly or to yourself. And on your note sheet there, I've listed each of the, the six verses. And I, I want you to read that verse. And, and would you say that that verse describes God as guide, protector, provider, or constant companion? There, there's a couple of them that could go either way, but I'd just be curious as to how you, how you flesh that out. Go ahead and read it again and write down what each verse is depicting God as. Guide, protector, provider, or constant companion.
All right, you may not have it all done yet, but we, we can work through it together and get those. Uh, verse 1, how is, this, how is God uh, predicted or presented in verse 1? How would you describe him? Which word? Provider. That's what I chose as well. What about verse 2? Guide. Verse 3? Guide. Verse 4? Protector. Verse 5, uh-huh, I put protector. Now, you could have put an, another one. The reason I put protector is because it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy as you anoint my head with oil. So, so the idea here is in, in the days of the vassal king that he would, if someone came to your table, it was your job to protect them. And so I, I put protector there, but it could go a couple of different ways. And then verse 6, how would, which way would you describe it? Constant companion. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's interesting when you look at the Bible, how often you see this concept, this word picture, if you will, of a shepherd. And why is it that God has chosen to depict himself as a shepherd over us? Not only do you find that in Psalm 23, but what you'll find in both Old and New Testament, you will find that God depicts himself as shepherd, and he often depicts us as his sheep. And even the leaders that God chose, they, they fulfilled their role as shepherd over God's people. This is not on your notes, but let me just give you a couple of examples. Amos chapter 7, verse 15. Amos, you don't have to turn there, I'm going to read it to you. Amos seven fifteen. you can just write it down. Amos said, but the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. So God here literally in Amos seven fifteen chose a shepherd to go shepherd his people by prophesying to them, speaking to them uh, about the word of the Lord. David is a great example. David was a, a shepherd by trade. And God called him out of the flock to go shepherd or lead his people. 2 Samuel 7, 8 says, Now then tell my people, or I'm sorry, Now then tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I took you from the pasture and from tending the flock and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. Moses is another example of that. I don't have the scripture here, but Moses, of course, served as a shepherd for 40 years before he went to Egypt to lead God's people, to be their shepherd and lead them out of Egypt. So this concept that we see in the Bible of a shepherd is a very uh, uh, evident picture. It's, it's all through the Old Testament, and you'll see in a few moments, all through the New Testament as well. So if we can understand this core verse, this core idea, that God is the shepherd, we are the sheep, if we can understand that and why that is so, really going to open up a lot of the Bible to you and the message that it has for us regarding God's relationship with us. So take your notes, follow along as we work through this. I've got about four different points I want to make. The first one that you see on your notes is this. Portraying God as a good shepherd shows the true nature of God versus the perceived notions about God. It shows the true nature of God versus the perceived notions about God. The popular idea, put this on your notes, the popular idea in the days of the Bible, and even in our day, is that God is distant. God was seen as someone who was distant. But the truth is, God is near. 
Yes, God is great in His, in his might. He is above and beyond His created universe. But at the same time, this, this word picture of God as a shepherd portrays Him as someone who is intimately involved in the lives of His people. In fact, going to Psalm 23, let me show you this in Psalm 23. As I read verses 2 and 3, I want you to look for the word He, which is a reference to God. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Then it changes from he to you. He's talking directly to God, directly to his shepherd. He says, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. So the psalmist here in Psalm 23 is portraying God as someone who is near Someone who is intimately involved in the life of his people. I don't know if you've ever seen a shepherd actually out working. Shepherds stay close to their sheep. We were talking this past Wednesday night. I'm, I'm, I'm doing some things about the Holy Land and showing some pictures. And this past Wednesday night, I, I was showing pictures of Shepherd's Field in Bethlehem. Or right outside Bethlehem, Shepherd's Field. And even to this day, there are still shepherds that live out in the field. And they live in these Bedouin tents. And, and they keep their sheep in the caves. And, and they're, they're always with the sheep. You don't shepherd from a distance. You're close to your sheep. You watch out over your sheep. You care for your sheep. And so the writer of Psalm 23, David, is saying, let me explain God to you. He's not distant. No, God is almighty. He is over his creation. But at the same time, the miracle about God is that he's near. And when David said, he's like a shepherd to me, everybody who read that would understand that concept because they had seen shepherd and sheep all over. So they understood the concept. You mean God is that close? You mean God cares that much? You mean God is that intimately involved in our lives? And David would say, yes, the Lord is my shepherd. And, And so... Another popular idea, put this on your notes, another popular idea is that God is detached. In that day, a very popular philosophy was that God basically kind of started the world in motion and then walked away from it. We still have that today, uh, that God's kind of started everything off and then he, He doesn't really care anything about what's going on now. He walked away from it. But the truth is, God is intimately involved in every detail of our lives. That's why David begins as he does in Psalm 23, verse 1. I want you to notice the second half of the verse. In the first half of the verse, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. What's the second half of the verse? I shall not be in want. Why, why will I not be in want? Because the Lord is my shepherd. Because the Lord is my shepherd. He's not detached. He knows every detail of my life. Now, Jesus picks up on this idea in Matthew chapter 6. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Jesus does not use the word in this particular text, uh, shepherd by any means, 
but he does give us this idea that God is interested in the details of our lives. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, do not worry about your life. And then he says very specifically, what you will eat or drink. Or about your body, what you will wear. Is not your life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Then he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly what? Your heavenly Father feeds them. Your heavenly Father knows the details of your life. That's what he's saying there. He even knows the details of the birds of the air. And then he says, are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus is saying God is intimately involved in the details of your life. The same God who paints the flowers and takes care of them but the same God who's involved in your life. And then he goes on to say, verse 31, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And I, this is highlighted in my Bible. And your heavenly Father knows you want them. No. Your heavenly Father knows you need them. Jesus paints a picture of God that is really incredible to think about. Jesus paints a picture of God that says God is intimately involved in the details of your life, even to the extent of what you eat, what you drink, and what you wear. He is not detached. The God you serve is not detached. You don't need to worry because the God you serve is your heavenly Father who is intimately involved in the details of your life. So, portraying God as a good shepherd shows the true nature of God versus the perceived notions about God. And then number three there is kind of a summary. In a world in which people see God as unapproachable, in a world in which people see God as unapproachable, the truth is God is relational. What I mean by that. He's like a shepherd constantly in a relationship, caring for his sheep. You've probably heard this, this old illustration. Uh, I, I doubt that it's true, but it's a good story anyway. You've probably heard this story. It was a famed Hollywood actor who was giving a recitation of Psalm 23, and he just gave a, a tremendous rendition of the 23rd Psalm. He stood before the huge crowd and just perfectly enunciated the 23rd Psalm. When he got through, he got a good applause. And then there was an old man 
longtime believer who came out and he quoted the 23rd Psalm. When he got through, he got a standing ovation. And the actor got real upset and he said, I don't understand. I did it so much better than him and I, I said it so much clearer than that old man. Why is it he got the standing ovation? And somebody said, well, you know the psalm, but he knows the shepherd. Makes a difference, doesn't it? Makes a difference if you know the shepherd and if the shepherd knows you. In a world in which we see God, in a world in which many people see God as unapproachable, the truth is, God is relational. And thus, He is depicted in the Bible as a shepherd. And not only as a shepherd, but as a good shepherd. So, um, I can already see I'm going to run out of time. I'm going to skip around a little bit. You see there on your notes, it says, God is portrayed through the Psalms and the prophets as the shepherd of His people. Is that on your notes? Let's just read a few of those verses. We won't have time to read them all. We'll skip around a little bit. Psalm 28, verse 9. Psalm 28, verse 9. David, again, writing this psalm, Psalm 28, verse 9, says, Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and, watch this, and carry them forever. It's a beautiful picture. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Intimate relationship. Look at Psalm 78, verse, 30, verse 52. Psalm 78. But he brought his people out like a flock and he led them like sheep through the desert. He brought them out and he led them. Psalm 79, verse 13. Then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will praise you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. We, your people, the sheep of your pasture. One more since we're already there. Psalm 80, verse 1. Hear us, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. So all through the Bible, and, and you've got other references there that you could read, all through the Bible you see this idea of God as a shepherd. Let me read you uh, one of the prophets, what he said. Uh, Jeremiah 31. Again, I'm skipping around a little bit for sake of time. Jeremiah 31. Verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations. Proclaim it in distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel will gather them and will watch over his flock... Like a shepherd. These descriptions of a caring and loving God were intended to bring comfort to God's people. That may be a blank there on your notes if I remember correctly. These descriptions of a loving God were intended to bring comfort to God's people. Oh, let me give you one more uh, that's so good. Ezekiel chapter 34. I want to show you Ezekiel chapter 34. If you have little headings over your chapter, like chapter headings... What does your chapter heading say for Ezekiel 34? Shepherds and sheep. And the reason I wanted to, wanted to point you to this text is so that perhaps later you take the time to read the entire chapter. We don't have time to read the whole chapter. Here he's, talk, he's talking about the leaders that he's appointed, his religious leaders are supposed to be good shepherds and they're bad shepherds. And then he talks about what he's going to do 
as shepherd. What God's going to do as shepherd. Look what he says, uh, Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. Don't tell me God's not intimately involved in our lives. I myself, the sovereign Lord, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness, and I will bring them out of the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements of the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. God is portrayed through the Psalms and through the prophets as the shepherd of His people. But the third point I want you to see there on your notes, we... We've been talking about God. Let's talk about us for a moment. We are often portrayed in the Bible as sheep in need. You understand, don't you, that sheep are pretty dumb? Not only are sheep pretty dumb, sheep have a tendency to wander. And not not only do they have a a tendency to wander, but have you ever noticed that sheep are pretty much defenseless against an enemy? They don't have claws. They don't have horns. They don't run very fast. The sheep are just are, are pretty much defenseless. So the Bible portrays God as the shepherd, and the Bible portrays us as sheep in need. You're, I want you to go with me to Isaiah. Beautiful passage of Scripture that, that we'll see in other places as well. But Isaiah 53 Isaiah 53, verse 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him our Savior, Jesus, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah in the Old Testament days was prophesying about this suffering Savior that would come into the world. And Isaiah was saying the reason we need this Savior to come to the world, the reason that, that we need him is because we're all like sheep and we wander from God. We wander away from God. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We, we've all turned to whatever, whatever has gotten our attention. We've all turned this way and that way instead of turning to God. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Uh, go over to the left and find Psalm 119, please. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the entire Bible. You probably know that. 176 verses. Have you ever noticed the last verse of Psalm 119? Psalm 170, or verse 176? I have strayed like a lost sheep. 
Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your commands. Throughout the Bible, again and again and again, God is portrayed as this loving shepherd. We are portrayed as sheep in need. And sheep who often stray. Um, Let's go to, uh, let's see, I'm trying to skip a little bit here. Let's go to uh, Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 6 and 7. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 6 and 7. Look at verse 1, chapter 50, verse 1. This is the word the Lord spoke through Jeremiah the prophet concerning Babylon and the land of the Babylonians. And so this is a message about Babylon. And look what he says in verses 6 and 7. My people, God's people, my people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds, that is the religious leaders, have led them astray. And caused them to roam on the mountains. They wandered over mountain and hill. And forgot their own resting place. Whoever found them devoured them. Their enemy said we are not guilty. For they sinned against the Lord. Their true pastor. The Lord. The hope of their fathers. They sinned against. It's a beautiful phrase there. They sinned against the Lord. Their true pastor. The word picture where he's depicting. That we wandered. That his people wandered. They wandered away from the true pasture. They wandered away from their shepherd. They wandered away from their protection. And so now, this whole concept of God as a shepherd, we as sheep in need and sheep who wander, carries over into the New Testament, all through the New Testament. Let, let me show you two examples of this. First uh, Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. Verse 25. He says, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd, capital S, and overseer of your souls. You were like sheep who have gone astray, but now you've returned to the Lord. And so when we come to the New Testament, uh, put, look on your notes there, that last point I think it is. Jesus is portrayed as the good shepherd that we all need. So we have this concept of shepherd being carried throughout the Old Testament. And, and then when we come to the New Testament, Jesus picks up this metaphor. And he uses what is taught in the Old Testament to describe himself in the New Testament. In fact, even his birth... His status is, is described at his birth as that of a shepherd. Let me go with you to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. It says verse 76. It should be verse 26. No, not verse 26. Matthew chapter 2 verse um, 6 maybe. Let's see. Yes, 6. Let's start in verse 5. Matthew 2, 5 and 6, if you want to fix that. Matthew 2, 5 and 6. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. 
But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the, what is it, church? Shepherd of my people Israel. So even from his birth, it was declared that Jesus was coming to be a shepherd of his people. So that's his birth. When you go to his death, it's also emphasized at his death that Jesus is shepherd of his people. Look at the end of the book of Matthew, Matthew 26, verse 31. They've had the Lord's Supper on the last night, and they're heading to the Mount of Olives, and in verse 31... Jesus told them, this very night you'll fall away on account of me. For it is written, and he points to the Old Testament, Zechariah 13, 7. For it is written in Zechariah, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you in Galilee. So his status as a shepherd is even emphasized in his last days. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But perhaps the the place where this concept of Jesus as our shepherd is most evident is in John chapter 10. Would you go to John chapter 10? Skipping a couple of verses there that you see on your notes. You you can go back and read those. Uh, John chapter 10. A lot I want to read here and just make a few comments as we work through John chapter 10. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. And the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, let me stop right there for a moment. Even if you go to Israel today, there are sheep pens, and and I've seen this. They can either be a square or they can be round, but they're made out of stone, and they're about this tall. And in that day, it would be common to put all the sheep together. All the shepherds come in from the fields at night. They put their sheep into these sheep pens, these stone enclosures to protect them from the wolves or whatever and and, uh, the predators. And so they, they have them all in that sheep pen. And a shepherd would lay at the door. Keep the sheep from going out. There was no physical gate. The shepherd was the gate. He laid at the door. And then the next morning when it was time to take them back out to pasture. The, the shepherd would stand at the gate. And he would call his sheep by name. And they recognized his voice. And they'd come to him. Black ear, come here. Little leg, come here. Bambi, come here. And and they would just hear the shepherd. They would hear his voice. They'd recognize his voice. And they'd go trotting out following the shepherd. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He says, The watchman, verse 3, opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. And he calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. 
Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. This is highlighted in my Bible. I am the gate for the sheep. And all who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Then he says in this famous verse, I am the good shepherd. Here we have Jesus speaking what has been hinted at throughout the Old Testament. Psalm 23 and other places, that God is our shepherd, that God watches over us, that God is intimately involved in our lives. Here we have the fulfillment of what the Old Testament kept pointing to, what the Old Testament kept suggesting Jesus declares. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man who runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He's not going to risk his life because he's not the shepherd. He's a hired hand. But the shepherd, because he's intimately involved in the sheep, the shepherd, because he cares about the sheep, is going to give his life for the sheep. Sounds like the cross, doesn't it? Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, let me just pause there and explain that verse to you, because some folks really use that verse out of context. Where he says, I have other sheep that are not part of this sheep pen. I'll bring them in as well. What he's talking about there, he's talking to Jews right now. When he speaks to them, he's talking to Jews. And he's referring to the others are the Gentiles that he's going to bring into the fold. So, so don't let some other group try to explain to you, well, yeah, there's this group, but this, you know, there's, there's these others that are going to be part of it. No, and I'm trying not to use word or names here, but... but when he's talking about other sheep that are not part of the sheep pen, he's talking about the Gentiles who have not yet been brought into the fold. Um, he says, they too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again, the command I received from my father. Um, let me skip to verse 25, and, and we'll just about be done. Verse 25, Jesus answered, I, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you're not of my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. I love this. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish no one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. I and the Father are one. Amen. Amen.
So I want to close. I've got two minutes according to my clock. I want to close with Hebrews 13. I don't know that I put this on your notes, but uh, this is bonus. Hebrews 13, verse 20 and 21. Great way to end. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. If that's not on your notes, you ought to write down that reference. Hebrews 13, verse 20. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory, there's that word, to to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I've got it underlined in my Bible. Our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. I don't know about you. I'm glad I can say the Lord is my shepherd. Amen. Amen.